Locked on NBA, the biggest stories, the local experts. Every Monday, we dig into the biggest stories in the NBA with the Locked On Podcast Network hosts. Today, we'll stop in Los Angeles to speak with Charles Mockler of Locked On Clippers about Paul George's injury and how the Clippers are staying afloat. We go to Boston to speak with John Corrales of Locked On Celtics about the embarrassing loss on Sunday, the recent form of the Celtics and how they can fix it. And lastly, we go to Utah to speak with David Locke of Locked On Jazz about the NBA's best team, the Utah Jazz. It's all coming up. The biggest stories with the local experts on Locked On NBA. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey guys, and welcome back to another week of Locked On NBA. I am your Monday host, Josh Lloyd. I'm also the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, and I'm the lead analyst at basketballmonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. Lots of big stories for us to talk about this week. Lots of interesting things happening across the NBA. So let's get to it. Right now, we bring in one of the hosts of the Locked On Clippers Podcast. Charles Mockler is here with me. Charles, the Clippers are doing it at the moment for the last four games and <laughs> and for the next you know, however many without their second best player, Paul George, who's out with a condition that's described as toe edema. Now, I know uh, people in uh, in fantasy circles, obviously, as I host Locked On Fantasy Basketball, are panicking because they look up you know, toe edema or bone edema and they go, my God, it's going to be six months. And there's a lot of panic associated with it. So what's the actual word, I guess, from the team or around the team about this uh, I guess rather mysterious injury that seemed to come from nowhere with uh, with George. And uh, when are we expecting him back? Yeah, so the bone edema thing is really scary when you look it up because you see Otto Porter Jr.'s injury, which took him out for like like a couple months or something like that. But from what I've gathered, I mean, the Clippers are pretty notoriously tight-lipped on when players are going to be coming back from certain injuries. But from everything I've seen, um, some doctors have put out some good videos about the bone issue and if it's not his fifth metatarsal even if it is a metatarsal if it's one through four it's going to be a couple of weeks every timeline kind of has it as like one to two weeks unless surgery is needed but that doesn't seem to be the case right now all right so that, that that's a positive and the vibes i'm getting as well from the team obviously not being as close as, as you are to uh to hearing them is that it's not considered uh, a season ender or something that's going to be you know he has to work back for the playoffs it's just a little bit of management here. As I said, he's missed the last four games. The last time he played was February the 3rd. We're sitting here on Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day to you, Charles, recording this. And, oh, uh, you as well. And he's uh, not going to be back, it looks like. Uh, maybe not this week. We're not sure about that. Is there any? How far out in advance has he been ruled out? Uh, he was ruled out yesterday um, for the Clips game tonight. So it's pretty much just been the day before when the injury uh, comes out. There's Paul George's bone edema. Um, another plus is that it is only in the toe. It was first reported as being in the foot, which I mean, had me panicking. Cause I was like, Oh, his, his whole foot is now edemified. But luckily it's just a bone in his toe is what we've been, uh, able to figure out. Now for people who don't know what a bone edema is, edema just means swelling. So it's just yeah, a fluid build yeah. up in, <laughs> in, inside the, inside the bone. So it, it does sound scary when you hear the term edema, but, and, and obviously fluid inside the bone is not great, but it's just a, it's just a swelling of the bone that is exactly what that means so how have the Clippers looked in Paul George's absence they lost their first two to the Celtics and the Kings and then they beat two teams which they were expected to beat the Wolves and the Bulls I'm not really sure (laughs) not really sure how much we can uh we can gauge from that yeah the biggest thing um you know if, if people who watch the Clippers a lot the the absence of Paul George really is felt obviously on the offensive 
And as well, there's a lot less driving kicks that we can manufacture. If you look at kind of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard's shot chart, they complement each other very well. You know, Kawhi works in the mid-range, Paul George is on the outside. So when you take out that outside threat, you know, and a handful of assists per game, the offensive end does look a little kind of stagnant sometimes. And the defensive end, man, that Kings game, it was pretty evident how having Paul George would have helped us out in that one. Um, so kind of, you know, Ty Lue's having to do some creative things with the lineup. We've seen Luke Kennard in and out of it. We've seen, you know, Reggie Jackson, the starting lineup too. So they're getting by right now. It's kind of shades of last year with how many different lineups the Clippers have had to have. But Ty Lue is doing a great job of rotating things and switching up looks for the uh, the opposing offense without Paul George, who, like you said, is the Clippers' second best player. Now, you mentioned it a little bit there, but I want to dig into this a bit. You talked about the you know, losing some assists. Now, Paul George has basically been this team's point guard this season. Him mm-hmm. and Kawhi share that role. Like Patrick Beverly's been in and out, but Beverly's not a point guard as such. He doesn't you know, set up offenses. He doesn't distribute. He doesn't run things. It's basically George and Leonard who are doing uh, who are doing that. So I guess people will look at it and go, why is Reggie Jackson starting alongside Patrick Beverly? <laughs> and that that's why, because Paul George was you know, nominally their shooting guard, but functionally, I guess, in the offense, he was, he was the point guard, or at least you know, 50% of the point guard with Kawhi handling those duties too. So I guess that makes sense that we've got Reggie Jackson playing these minutes. And also we've seen an uptick in minutes from Terrence Mann, who uh, who led the team in minutes last game with 33. How has Mann looked into this larger role? And you know, is my summation that because of Paul George's point guard role, that is why we're getting these point guards getting extra minutes rather than going with uh, you know, bigger wing type guys? Yeah, I mean, your, your summation is pretty much correct. Paul George, you know, PG is the PG uh, for all intents and purposes, unless Kawhi has the ball in his hand, really. Um but Terrence Mann, whew, I mean, he's, he's proven me wrong quite, you know, time and time again these last couple of games. He's showing his biggest issue was confidence when he first came in. He wouldn't even seemingly think about shooting the ball from beyond the arc, which really hampers you um, in the modern game of basketball. So he's shown a willingness to shoot. He's really shown good instincts and in transition to get in positions where it's going to stretch the defense out, which is something that wasn't happening before. And it's very clear that he has worked with Patrick Beverly on the rebounding aspect of being a point guard. Terrence Mann has the size where if he's technically being run at the one, he's a lot bigger frame-wise than the other ones he's going against. So he can get in there and tip offensive rebounds or just get these hustle plays that the Clippers need when you're down, you know, not only, you know, Paul George and Patrick Beverly sometimes. So Terrence Mann has earned a lot of playing time. Um, He's not, you know, people are kind of comparing him to Pat Bev hustle-wise, but Pat Bev also is a 40% three-point shooter with Terrence Mann isn't quite there yet, obviously, but Terrence Mann has earned more time and he's taken the opportunity and really ran with it, which is something that I think a lot of Clippers fans weren't expecting, but are very happy to see. Last question for you, Charles. The Clippers at the moment sit in the three spot, 19 and eight before Sunday's action. Um, It just feels like they're just doing sort of what they need to do or what they're expected to do. How is that how you would classify how this season has gone? Has it been a big surprise? Has it been any disappointments or just sort of just where they need to be and what you expect them to be? I've been very pleasantly surprised at how different the team has looked immediately since Ty Lue came in. He, the first, you know, Clippers fans wanted something different, which is what we weren't getting from Doc Rivers, which led to some certain playoff um, collapses with certain personnel. And Ty Lue came in, switched up the starting lineup immediately. Some people were kind of on the fence about it, but it's, you know, it's up there with the best half-court offenses in the league right now. Um, I, I'm pleasantly surprised with how everything is going. There's not a whole bunch of disappointment. The biggest issue is just having people be healthy, which 
is something I think any team can kind of point to if you have more than one or two injuries. But the Clippers are doing exactly what they need to be doing right now. And the two teams they're behind, one is the Jazz, who look like they're, you know, we have to play them twice in this upcoming week, and the Jazz look like they could beat anybody right now. And the other team is the defending champions. So as far as that goes, I don't think there's a whole lot more we could really hope for from the Clippers, and I mean that in a good way. Yeah, they've just been doing what they do, and you're right, right up there, just you're playing good basketball the majority of the time, winning the games that they need to win, winning them comfortably. It's just been really, really solid, and of course, we all hope Paul George is back so they can continue to push. Charles, you'll have it covered for us all over on Locked On Clippers. Thanks for coming on Locked On NBA with me. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use our promo code LOCKEDON. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. We're covering everything you need to know about the NBA here, but what about the rest of sports? Now the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get podcasts. Now let's bring in the hosts of the Locked On Celtics podcast. John Corrales is here, the Celtics. John, are we, uh, are we blowing it up? What's going on? <laughs> It was ugly. The Celtics cannot play these matinees. They get blown out every time. But look, I I don't think they're this bad. Like this is this is abhorrently bad. And and they cannot be this bad. I think this stretch of games is is a little bit ridiculous. Um, I think there is certainly some fatigue there, but there is also some concerning stuff. The lack of ball movement is a problem the defense without fouling like they they put the uh wizards on the line was it 35 times 16 of the 31 made free throws for the wizards in a 13 point win were penalty free throws so that that's just that's just too too much The, the celtics foul too often so they they certainly have some real real things that they need to work on I believe they're five and ten in their last fifteen games, and yeah. the last two losses to the Pistons and the Wizards—they're uh, just two wins that you'd pencil in. You wouldn't even pencil them in. You get really, really thick marker and write it in and go. I'm pretty happy getting these wins. Like you lose to the Jazz, that's fine. You lose to the Suns, no worries. Um, but yeah, taking on the Pistons and the Wizards and losing in the manner that you do is is cause for concern, I guess. Yeah, from a positive point of view, both Kemba and Jalen Brown scored 25 points. I wouldn't say that they were necessarily the reason that they lost, but Jason Tatum was poor. 21% shooting, six points, had some foul issues early, and the team just uh, didn't click. And this, yeah, a lot of Celtics fans, John, are not happy with this. Um, there is, a, I'm seeing on my timeline a lot of pleading with Danny Ainge to go and make moves. Is there any move out there that can maybe arrest this, or is this something that needs to come from within? I think it's both. I mean, they certainly need to make a move. They've got that traded player exception. Danny Ainge's offseason is already kind of hanging by a thread. The Jeff Teague signing was a mess. Uh, the Tristan Thompson signing uh, is was okay, but 
when you look at that, you know, they hard capped themselves to sign Tristan Thompson and now that limits their traded player exception. And that, you know, you, you, you had to do one before you realize what the other was going to be. And, and I think Danny Ainge has certainly was handcuffed by the quick turnaround for the season to start that threw off his plan for Kemba Walker. And it, it changed what they were planning to do with their off season signings. I'm sure so he has to make up for that by using the traded player exception to bring somebody in. Now the question, obviously, like you said, is who, but uh, you know, there's the Bielitsa's out there as, you know, just a potential guy, like the players like that. I don't know if Kelly Oubre is going to be a guy that, that doesn't sound like a, a big solution, but that's, that's something that the, he has to, he has to nail it with that traded player exception. They need that help off the bench. Uh, but it also has to come from within as well because they can still pass the ball and cut and they can still defend. They they got just burned on simple cuts that they weren't paying attention against the Wizards. They just let Rui Hachimura just dive to the basket and get the ball and dunk without even being touched. So there is certainly internal improvement that needs to happen, but it also there is it's it's very much on Danny Ainge as well. The Celtics have won just two games since Marcus Smart has been out, and we talk about trades and Danny Ainge and Jason Tatum's poor form. Could it just simply be the fact that the team's best defender by a significant margin, an All NBA level defender, and a guy that just does everything, is not there? Is it? Could it just be as simple as that? I mean, it's not quite as simple as that, but that's a big reason. And it's not just that, hey, we could have used him covering Bradley Beal. It's that the Celtics need him to help them stay organized on the floor. He's the guy that that keeps them together. He's not officially a captain, but he's basically the captain of the team, the heart and soul of the team, as he's been called by many players. He keeps them together. He knows what the other team is trying to do. He's the vocal leader. And so, yeah, he can go defend somebody and he can get in somebody's face. But he also, before a play is happening, directs people, hey, watch for this, watch for that. Offensively, he's a very good point guard. Like He can run an offense, and it allows for a little bit more of a – we talk about the ball movement. He can get the guys – where they're supposed to be, get them the ball where where they're comfortable with it, and and that can certainly help as well. He does a lot, and and that is a big reason why a lot of these just lapses, the mental lapses, the the kind of simple mistakes that they're that are not typical of a Brad Stevens defense. He's he's the reason why a lot of those things are happening. It sounds simplistic to say that it's just Marcus Smart, but what <clears throat> having Marcus Smart play means that you don't have to start Shemi Ojale or a Daniel Tice-Tristan Thompson frontcourt combination. It means that you don't have to rely on Peyton Pritchard to get a lot of guard minutes, and you don't have to play Jeff Teague at all. Now, Brad Stevens has finally gone away from Teague in the last couple of games, which is a positive, but you don't have to even consider 
playing Jeff Teague at all. Even if Kemba rests, he'd say, well, I don't, we don't need him here. Marcus Smart plays point guard and, and Pritchard backs him up. So while it's important to have Smart out there because of his defensive ability, because of his offensive ability, because of his passing, it means you don't have to play these other guys who are getting a ton of minutes at the moment. And Shemi's been playing probably above expectations, but it's still Shemi Ojale or Grant Williams or Tristan Thompson in that spot and Jeff Teague in that spot. And, and that's what happens with injuries. It's not necessarily about... Yeah, losing that guy. It's about what the replacements do and then the replacements of the replacements that have to come in and that leads to a lot of problems. And I think, again, it's not as simple as just Marcus Smart's back and we'll fix it. But I think it's going to fix a lot of problems when when he is back because it just means that the, that cascade effect can come down and all these players who have legitimate weaknesses and um, it can be harmful on the court just won't have to do those things that they're being tasked with doing. And some of that's a roster building thing as well, John. Uh, in in that we don't you don't have that um, replacement to come in and, and be able to do those things effectively. But this is a team that you know, has had no Kemba Walker to begin the season. Then Kemba came back, and then Marcus Smart went out, and they've missed Jason Tatum at times as well. So they're still putting things together. So I wouldn't say it's panic stations, but it's uh, it's concerning. It is concerning. And it's not like they're trying and they're just losing. The biggest issue right now, and I think why fans are, are losing their minds, is it doesn't even look like that they're trying. And this loss against Washington, you, when you use words like listless and disorganized, and do they even want to be there? Like that, that type of stuff is very off-putting to fans. So if you go out there and you say, yeah, they're trying, and, and look, they got beat, then so so be it. But it's it's the effort things. It's it's bad enough that the Celtics aren't constructed well enough to withstand these these injuries. Like that, that was always going to be the case. And the the loss of Tatum and the, you know, these guys have only played together like 28 minutes with Smart Tatum Kemba and, and Jalen Brown so there's there's still a lot of time for them to to come together and coalesce and for things to turn around and 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 they're not out of it either like the East is very tightly packed so there's a lot of positive to take from uh, in the midst of all of this negative but there's the effort stuff is where people are really starting to lose their minds. And and that's where the loudest calls for Danny and Brad Stevens are coming from. The focus is definitely on the Celtics at the moment after this uh, yeah, really horrible loss on Sunday. John, we'll see how they respond and you'll cover it for us all over on Locked On Celtics. Thanks for coming on Locked On NBA with me. You got it, man. Thanks. Built Bar is back. The best tasting protein bar ever is back with six new flavors. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. They join the fray with the original 12 flavors, which includes raspberry, salted caramel, and orange. These bars are covered in 100% chocolate, and they just taste like a candy bar. It's like you're having a treat, but you're also looking after yourself because they are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber, and great for a keto diet. For example, the Coconut Almond Bar, 18 grams of protein, just 180 calories and only 5 grams of sugar and 5 grams of net carbs. Don't get those standard protein bars, which you have to like gag to get them down. These things are just like you're getting a candy bar, but you're doing something that's healthy and great if you're looking to lose or maintain weight. So if you go to BuiltBar.com, you can use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. The promo code is LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Now let's talk to the man that covers the best team in the NBA, the Utah Jazz, David Locke. Um, David, I know there is skepticism around this Jazz team. Oh, they're the they're the 
the Hawks, they're the Bucks. It's just a regular season scenario. But I don't know what more they can do. They are crushing. They're not just winning, David. They are crushing every single team they come across. What have they won? 18 of 19, I think it is, with one loss to the Nuggets thrown in there. The last time they lost was the 31st of January against the Nuggets. The time before that, it was the 6th of January in that weird back-to-back in New York against the Nets and the Knicks. And basically, they just win every game by 10-plus points, it feels like. Well, they've won every game by, I think they've won, what, 16 of the 18 by 10. It's only been done twice before in NBA history. They were up 20 last night in Miami. They're up 20 on Milwaukee. They're up 14 on Boston. They're up 25 on Charlotte. They're up 27 on Atlanta. They're on 20, up 28 on Detroit. They're up 30 in, in Dallas in one game and 25 the other. They're up 40 on the Warriors. They're up 25 on New Orleans and 17 in the other. They were up 30 the other time they played Atlanta, and they're up 20 the first time they played the Bucks. 20 against the Pistons, and 20 against the Cavaliers. They've led in 20 by 20 points in 16 of the 26 games they've played this is the number that i think is incredible they've led for 40 or more minutes think about that led by 40 or more minutes so in other words you take the lead somewhere in the first eight minutes of the game and you never relinquish it in 14 of their 26 games yeah that's it's a crazy number and you just yeah, every time that, that I tweet about it, I'm sure it happens to you as well, it's going, Mike, the Jazz, they're killing it. I'll just wait till they play this team. Just wait till they play this team. Just wait till they play this team. And I wait. I see them play those teams. And they just make them look second rate. And, and, I really, and they're doing it. Again, these last four games, Mike Conley's not playing. Mike Conley had an astonishing on-off net rating before uh, his injury. He was playing at a level that would have him as maybe the best or second best player on this team. And now he's out and it doesn't actually seem to matter. If you look back at the last six games, Josh, I think you could probably, and we won't bore everyone with it, but you could probably go through it and say they've won in six different ways. That's what's jumping out to me about this. So last night, they beat Miami by 20. They shoot 12 of 46 from three. The first time they beat Milwaukee, they go bananas from three. They go and make 25 of 53 from three, and they win that way. They've just won in different manners Atlanta decided to not let them shoot threes, so they won inside. Milwaukee decided to not let them shoot threes in the second half, so Rudy Gobert had 27 or 20, I think it was 27. They've won a game where four different players scored 25 or more points, which had only been done twice in the last, like, 14 years in the NBA. They're just winning in in so many different ways right now that it's – I'm actually a little bit of a – I'm a homer, but I'm a skeptic homer, if that makes sense. Like, I'm not going to lie to anyone that I'm not, like, rooting for them. I get paid by them, and I follow them. But I'm usually the one who's like, yeah. At this point, if you're not believing in this team, you're either not watching or you don't know the game. Now, what do I mean by believing? If you don't believe that they're one of the three best teams in the NBA, you're not watching or you don't know the game. And – whether that means they make it to the NBA finals or they win the NBA title, I don't know. But if you don't think that they're on par with the Lakers and Clippers, then you're not watching. Yeah, that's the thing. Is they are, And people will say, oh, wait till the playoffs. Well, we're not in the playoffs now. So all I can judge is, is what I'm seeing at the moment. And they're playing at a consistently high level. Now, as much as I deride the comments of like, oh, just wait till they play good teams, their schedule coming up this week is tough. Right? They have the Sixers and they have two games against the Lakers. 
and then next week they have uh, sorry against the Clippers. Then they play the Hornets and they play the Lakers to start next week. So it's a tough stretch of games coming up, and and nobody would deny that. And they're probably going to lose a game or so here. But this is you know, their last four games have been against the Pacers, the Celtics, the Bucks, and the Heat. And three of those games have been by 14 points, the winning margin. That's the last three of those, the Celtics, Bucks, and Heat. And they are yeah, the teams that, well, you see two of them who were the Eastern Conference finalists last year, and the other was the team with the best record in the NBA, the Milwaukee Bucks. And they were able to dispatch those guys. So I'll ask you this question, David. Who is the best player on this team? I think it's Rudy Gobert. Um, Donovan's fabulous. Joe Ingles is impactful. Jordan Clarkson changes games. But Rudy Gobert is should be a top five MVP candidate at this point. They're the number two defense in the league. They're the number one defense effective field goal percentage. They foul the least in the NBA. They're the only team in the NBA that is in the top 10 at denying shots at the rim and denying three-point shots to be taken. And it's all because of Rudy Gobert. In the third quarter against Miami the other night, when he checked out, in six minutes he was on the floor, Miami had not scored. He threw a shutout in his first six minutes of the third quarter the other night. It's insane what he does on a nightly basis. I believe the Jazz are about plus 16 when he's on the floor for the season. And their defensive rating is in the 99th percentile. He's remarkable. And you can say, well, he can't be an MVP candidate because he's an offensive liability. He's not that much of an offensive liability, Their offense is ranked third in the NBA. So if that's a liability, I'll take it every day. Yeah, that's the thing. It's because he's not out there, you know, with ISOs and bombing in threes that people think that he is this massive zero on on offense. And that's that's obviously not the case Um, because he's just a a massive pick and roll threat, setting screens and opening things up for all the three-point shooters who are obviously really uh, benefiting from having uh, the size of Gobert out there on offense and providing that sort of threat. He just makes a lot of this stuff on this offense go. And being able to understand the difference between a guy that goes out and scores 25 a night versus a guy that still contributes to an excellent offense without doing that is... um, it's important to be able to note that difference and or understand that you can be effective in different ways depending on what your role is. And that's exactly where Gobert sits at the moment. David, it is an exciting time for Jazz fans. It's an exciting time for really anyone in the NBA who just likes something different happening and a, and a team coming up and, uh, and winning really in, in a slightly different style than we've seen a lot of teams win. Uh, this next week is going to be massively exciting. Just big game after big game for the three Jazz games this week. Sixers, Clippers, and then Clippers again. We are all looking forward to watching it, and you're going to have it covered for us all over on Locked on Jazz and, of course, covering the games for Jazz Radio. David Locke, thank you. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Keep up the great work and make sure Locked on Fantasy Basketball, the number one fantasy basketball program in the country. And that'll do it for another episode of Locked On NBA. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and on Spotify. Check out all our shows right across the network and follow me on Twitter at RedRock underscore B-Ball. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.